0: You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael easily answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today, our question is from one of Michael's friends, Jim. This is what Jim wrote. In John 20, Jesus breathes on the disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit. Seems like the creation account when he breathed life into Adam seems like a picture of we've been dead in our sins, but when forgiven because of the cross, we receive new life, abundant and eternal life, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Why does, in verse 23, why does it seem to imply Jesus also conferring power to forgive sins to the disciples? Only God can forgive, and Jesus spends the first 17 chapters of John building the narrative (laughs) of his oneness with the Father and all the I Am statements. What is the point of conferring power to forgive in verse 23? This seems out of place giving all Jesus does to secure our forgiveness by dying on the cross and being resurrected. How should we think about this?
1: So where do we start? (laughs) Great, great question. Great question. Precisely. So this wording does go back to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, which let me read. Then the Lord God formed man out of dust from the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We've talked about this many times, the word Hebrew nephesh, like throat, soul, it's somewhat related. And so otherwise he was just dirt. So, yes, when Christ breathes on the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit, there's certainly a connection. If we look at Acts chapter 2, this is the day of Pentecost, and this is In a way, he's forecasting this new, new life in Christ, which is a fulfillment of the new covenant. And so when he says, receive the Holy Spirit, this is not an invitation. It's not their request. He's saying, this is something I'm going to do to you. I'm going to breathe on you and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, literally the word can mean take hold of something or grab it. I'm giving it to you. So Jim points out in verse 23, the connection, exercising care. I don't want to see this as an ongoing dictation narrative, meaning sometimes there might be a little gap okay. in between what's being recorded. So there may have been other interaction going on. So we want to be careful we're not seamlessly connecting that with power to forgive, which is a, a, a little bit of the way the question was eluding. So let me see if I can be a little more specific here. The new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 mentions several things. In verse 34, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So we are to forgive as we've been forgiven is what we're going to learn in the so-called Lord's Prayer, right? right? It's not that we have the power to forgive someone. What he's saying is I'm forgiving you in the same manner you need to proclaim forgiveness of sins to other. If we were to look at the Passover in Matthew 26, where Jesus says to drink from the cup, which is poured out for man for the forgiveness of sins. And even as I mentioned a moment ago in the Lord's Prayer, which really should be called the Disciples Prayer, because this is how Jesus prayed. This is an answer to the question, Lord, teach us to pray. And so... You know, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us this day. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who has indebted or sinned against us. Lead us not to temptation. So go back to New Covenant. He's going to indwell them with the Spirit. They're going to have the ability to have a relationship with him. The Spirit will be permanent, not back and forth. And as a result of that, you're going to proclaim the gospel and you're going to teach these things. And part of that is teaching the forgiveness of sins.
0: Okay, but did I get close? I don't. Not, no, I don't <laughs> oh. like this answer. So, verse twenty-two. What else is new? He tells the disciples, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Verse twenty-three. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins yep. of any, they have been retained. I, I mean, this. What is going on here? Because what it sounds like is he's telling the disciples, you can forgive or not. And if you retain them, the, what What on earth?
1: So I think the proclamation of my point was he's proclaiming, if you forgive them, it's the same way I've forgiven you. If they don't ask for forgiveness, their sins are retained. He's not saying that you and I have power over somebody else. He's saying, you need to forgive them just like I've forgiven you. If they don't understand forgiveness, they're still in their sins. That's what I think Jesus is saying. If
0: you retain the sins of any, so that, what he's just saying is, if they don't ask for forgiveness.
1: Again, it's a proclamation, (laughs) not a, he's making a proclamation. He's not saying this is a power you have over them.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: if they don't understand the aforementioned verses, and again, you have to go back to the new covenant on this, and you have to go back to what he's saying about forgiveness of sins in general. So, But best I can give you, it's a proclamation. He's not saying you have the power to do this. Let me say it this way. They are to announce, they are to teach that forgiveness is Christ's work, which is what he explained in the Lord's Supper. Right. This is the person who can forgive, but if a person doesn't accept Christ's work, they're still in their sins, meaning they're retained. So you make the proclamation, if they don't accept it, they're still in their sins. Mm. That's what I think the text mm. is saying.
0: Mm. Okay. I like that answer better. Thank you. Okay. We got there. Since we have the time, let's rabbit trail a little bit. A long time ago, you had a guest on In Context. I think y'all were talking about, oh, it was about suffering. It was, what else did we talk about In Context? Just kidding. Hey. Just kidding. I'm cheery Michael Easley. But Easley's it was tournament. a Michael Easley In Context interview with a great author on suffering. I think it was, he was a book about Job. And y'all were talking about forgiving others. And I thought the conversation got a little squirrely. It was weird because it felt like the author was saying, if someone doesn't ask you for forgiveness, you don't have to forgive them. And I think you kind of pushed back, but I would like to hear more because I think that it doesn't matter if someone's asked you, like we've removed ourselves now from Jesus Christ forgiving our sins. Like this is a person to person issue. I think- that we are so called to forgive. If you've wronged me, even if you never asked me for forgiveness, I think I'm called to forgive you. It yes. doesn't matter if you've repented from your sin against me. It doesn't matter if you like.
1: Well, and I've had this conversation with individuals who have been harmed and they say, well, my ex or whomever has never asked me to forgive him or her. And what do you say to that? And I go, well, the fact that we're having this conversation is bothering you. Yep. And ergo that, maybe this is an application of the root of bitterness that if we harbor a grievance toward a person, Paul says in Romans 16, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. So he knows it's not always possible, but I think it's really more for the welfare of the individual. If I'm holding a grudge or I'm not going to forgive him or her until they ask me, Yeah, it's complicated. Now, on the other hand, relationally, if possible, so far as it depends. Right. And we're told to reject a factious and divisive person. Yeah. The Proverbs is full of wisdom. It says, avoid such people that are angry and bitter. Right. So, you know, there's a lot talked about boundaries today, which can be good and helpful, sometimes overstated. But be that as it may, I agree with you. We do need to forgive those, even those who haven't asked us for forgiveness. And that doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. But yes, and I And it need... doesn't
0: mean we have to be in relationship. I can forgive you if and possible. and never speak to you again. Yep. I mean, yep. now, what's the motivation behind me never speaking to you? Is it because yep. I'm still harboring hostility and anger and bitterness? Or is it because you are an unhealthy person? that whatever happened, like All it, the above. it cannot be yep. repaired to a point where we can be reconciled. Right. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing.
1: Well, and the proverbs interestingly talks about a fool is a person who will not or won't or can't learn. Mm. They don't want to learn. Mm-hmm. They don't want to change. The naive and the simpler ones that are willing to be taught, willing to get wisdom, willing to grow. And I think humility is, I mean, when Paul talks about himself as the chief of all sinners, what's he saying there? That no one sinned more than him? No. He's saying, I'm a sinner too. I'm an apostle. I've sinned. So the sin condition is pervasive. How we look upon others, I mean, Go back to the Lord's Prayer I mentioned a minute ago, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. So there is some, in fact, I remember hearing another person I will not name give a sermon on if you don't forgive other people who sinned against you, your sins won't be forgiven.
0: Yeah, that's scary. A very
1: demonstrable sermon. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of get what they're saying, but I'm going to do more biblical theology on the whole study of forgiveness, which is a big topic. I mentioned that when we had that guest on. It's a big topic. Um, but at core, forgiveness for what someone else has done to you, an injustice, a wound, an injury, a malice, slander, for your own health. Was it Corey Tin Boom said, hmm. forgiveness is setting a prisoner free, realizing you were the one in prison. Yep. So it's true. I think there's something there, maybe not the best chapter and verse to point to, but
0: Okay, one last thing. I want to go. You mentioned earlier about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You, I don't know if you taught on this or you just taught me in a personal conversation, but it blew my mind. I'd never heard anyone say it. I've still never heard anyone say it. We hear the story of Jesus washing. The disciples feet and he says, go and do unto others. Is that what he says? And, and everyone says, Oh, we got to serve other people. That's what that means. We've got to be serving people and humbling ourselves to serve them. And sometimes people wash mm-hmm. each other's feet, you know, at, when yeah, they're getting yeah. married, we yeah, do, yeah. we do you know, these things, but, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's not really what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, go wash other people's feet. And he wasn't even saying, I mean, maybe you could stretch it. And he's saying, yeah. humble yourself and serve others, but, but he's really saying something else. And it's very direct
1: Right, well, so the setting is important. Don't, don't forget Judas is in that equation. Oh, and
0: he washes feet. Oh, yeah.
1: So that's a head scratcher there. Yeah. So that's setting up the Lord's Supper. That's setting up the Passover that's being fulfilled. And so when he instructs them, when you come into Passover, you at least do the ritual washing, which they hadn't even right, done. Right. So Christ is going to wash their feet. Yeah. Peter overcompensates. Oh, wash my no, no. All you need. So what's he saying there? You just need a recognition of your sin and a recognition that you're forgiven by someone who has the ability to forgive you. Yeah. So when we reenact that, and I've been part of those things and watched it happen, and you know, I don't want to be unkind, but I don't think— t- 99% of the foot washing I've observed has nothing to do with the foot washing in the New Testament. But there's some churches that have turned it into an ordinance, not yeah. unlike yeah. Lord's Supper and baptism.
0: But it's about forgiveness. Yes. I mean, that's—he's saying— I'm washing your feet because I'm I for- the only one who can forgive you. Yep, I am doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. But then he says, go and do likewise.
1: So, again, I think it's the act of I can't forgive somebody of their sin, but the one who forgave me has told me to proclaim that. mm Let's say in a perfect context, if I'm washing someone's feet, I'm doing this because Jesus forgave my sins, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm demonstrating this is how Jesus forgives your sins. I have no power mm-hmm. myself to forgive anybody of sin, but in the name of Christ, what he did for us, I'm showing what he will do for you. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The contact info is in the show notes. Ask Dr. E is part of the Michael Easley in Context ministry. You can find more shows and biblical resources at our website, michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain.